As a type one diabetic, I just completed my first ever triathlon sprint. Uh, I'm stoked about it. It was crazy. The last few months have been crazy. Blood sugars aside, like training just by itself was tough. But in today's episode, I wanted to share 11 lessons learned, both about blood sugars directly, kind of walk through what I saw on my CGM, what I observed during the race, but also life lessons learned about overcoming challenges and how to push through these more difficult times where you want to give up and uh, all that and more. So in today's episode, I'm going to share some stories, 11 quick, punchy, straight to the point uh, tips and lessons learned that I think might be helpful for some of you out there, even if you're not a triathlete uh, and you're just trying to get through life with diabetes. So I hope you find this one helpful. We'll get into our theme song and then jump right in. I've spent the last 10 years pushing the limits while identifying trends and patterns in my type 1 diabetes management. Follow along as I learn, apply, and share the fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle strategies that I've learned from diabetes experts around the world. The real question is, how can we live fearlessly with diabetes while maintaining stable blood sugars? This podcast is here to give you the answer. My name is Matt Vandevecht, head coach and co-founder of FTF Warrior, and welcome to Part of My Pancreas. You might have noticed that I am wearing a different t-shirt today. It's not my standard warrior shirt because I am I'm repping the triathlon that <laughs> I competed. I am proud of myself, man. It was a long journey to get there and it initially started off with complete spontaneity and impulsiveness. Uh, initially, it was actually my pastor who approached me uh, when I was volunteering Thanksgiving Day or the day before Thanksgiving, you know, doing a, a food service thing for uh, the veterans and for the homeless. And uh, he was like, hey, you want to do a triathlon sprint? And I was like, sure. What is it? <laughs> it's like I committed to it before I even fully knew what it was. I didn't know what the events were, the distances. Long story short, they backed out and I ended up doing it by myself. But when I set to commit something, I, I see it through. That's just how I am. Uh, I, I keep my promises to myself. And so through this process, I've learned a lot of lessons and I wanted to share a few of those with you. So number one is going to be about blood sugars. And quite a few of these are about blood sugars because I know type one diabetes is weaving its way in and out of our everyday lives, right? So number one, have a plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, and on we go, right? The blood sugars, they change. There are 50 plus variables that interact to impact our blood sugars in different capacities every single day. That's why if you eat the same thing, which I did, every single day for training, you can still be caught off guard by other factors. There were some days where I woke up with insulin on board because I have an algorithm that gives me insulin during the night. I, I had a different night where I woke up at 200 because my insulin pump was disconnected. <laughs> so you gotta have plan B, plan C, and be ready to pivot ultimately for you know whatever might be coming your way. Number two that we're going to hit today is action thresholds uh, with an understanding of if, then, unless statements. Now, I teach this to my clients. I think it's a fantastic way to uh, predetermine your decision-making matrix, right? To make decisions a lot easier and reduce decision-making fatigue. So I call it the if, then, unless statement. So if blood sugars are this, then I do that unless this, right? So if blood sugars are 150, then I'm good to go exercise unless I have 10 units of insulin on board, right? So those help me determine, am I good to go? Am I not? What decision needs to be made? And then of course the action threshold that I, I mentioned, 
determining at what point, at what blood sugar, at what insulin on board, at what whatever, you will take action, right? To, to determine these things beforehand. So in the moment, there is no question of, am I doing something or not? It's, oh, the data shows that this is my decision, right? It makes it so much simpler. And it just requires a little bit of effort up front. Number three, don't get fancy. Uh, this is actually advice that I got from diabetics and non-diabetic athletes alike. Everyone, so much so that even the uh, the presenter and the um, the expo leaders the day before the race had mentioned this as well. Don't change it up on race day. So if you found something that works for your nutrition, don't try something new. If you practiced a certain way for your transition from swim to bike or bike to run, don't try something new. Like literally, even if you know it's going to be better, don't change it because you've built a routine around it. You know what works. You're comfortable with it. Reduce those decisions, right? And for them, of course, they were considering the GI impact. So gastrointestinal, your digestion. If you've been eating a certain type of food for your workouts to fuel, don't switch it up just because you got a free sample. Just stick with what you know, right? And for type one, this applies to all of us as well. I like to keep it fancy, or not keep it fancy, don't get fancy, keep it simple when I'm traveling, especially, or if I have a chaotic or really stress-filled day with lots of meetings back to back, I'm not going to get fancy and go order, you know, a pizza topped with French fries and a milkshake on the side. <laughs> I'm not going to test the limits on that day. I might do that on the weekend, right? But if I have a really full day or a stressful travel schedule, keep it simple. I'm going to stick with what I know. Similar foods, similar schedule, similar dosing, because I just don't want added stress, right? So don't get fancy. Number four, during the race, I found myself wanting to quit a lot. <laughs> I found myself making excuses. A uh, quick story that'll, I think, make you giggle like it did for me. Uh, the, the race itself, the triathlon, is a swim, then immediately into a bike ride, then immediately into a run. During the run, I found myself getting a little tired, you know? Who knew, right? Uh, it's a big loop, a couple loops that you're running, and my family had shown up, and they were at the finish line waiting for me. And I'm like, okay, cool. I love that they're here. They're supporting me. Uh, but I'm on the other side of the loop where nobody can see me. I'm just with the other runners, right? And I'm like, I mean, who would know if I walked for like 10 steps? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm kind of making excuses in my head, like maybe I'll just walk for a, a minute, like just to recover. My legs are on fire. Like I am beyond exhausted. I just need a quick breather, right? And as I'm thinking through that, I hear, oh, hey, Matt. And I'm like, what? I snap out of it. It's my sister. <laughs> my sister decided to show up and because she was late she was walking on the course towards me and she's like oh hi and I'm like oh gosh dang it they're everywhere <laughs> so now I had this accountability of like shoot I can't walk because I don't know where they're gonna be and I heard that my other sister was gonna show up the one with type one and I was like all right this is the best accountability I could have asked for is just not knowing where my family is gonna show up so I can't walk right but to get through that, this is tip number four right here, is micro commitments, right? When you want to give up just one more, right? I mean, I can handle one more. So for me, I was counting light posts. I'm like, all right, one more light post. And then I'd run out of light posts. I'm going to get to that one more cone, right? Uh, I get to the cone. And I'm like, well, the dirt is like 10 steps further. I'm going to make it to the dirt and then I can walk. I get to the dirt. I'm going to catch up to that other runner in front of me. These little micro commitments are so much easier to accomplish than thinking about, I have so many more miles to run. I am so tired, right? 
micro commitments will help you to push yourself further than you thought possible. Number five, environment matters massively. So I talked to you guys about this a lot before, where if you surround yourself with successful people, you are more likely to see success in the bigger picture. Uh, you know, if you hang out with losers who are doing drugs, uh, sleeping around, not practicing what they preach and not moving towards success, you're probably gonna be pulled down to their level. But if you hang out with high level individuals who are in loving relationships and eating healthy and exercising every day, uh, you're gonna find yourself practicing better habits at the very least because you don't want to be the one loser in the group, right? So surrounding yourself with the right people can help you to level up your life. In this triathlon sprint, I, I mean, I realized this, but it didn't really hit until I was on the course. I was racing with and alongside elite level athletes. And the way I know this is that I was giving it my absolute best, uh, a great example is on the bike ride. As I'm biking, these elite level pro athletes are flying by me. Their bikes sound like rocket ships. It was insane. And as a result, I'm like, I could probably pedal a little bit harder, right? Because I'm trying to catch up to these guys who are probably Olympic athletes. I'm sure a few of them were trying to qualify. And so, you know, competing with them where I was actually one of the slower athletes, which was shocking and kind of embarrassing, but also exciting in the same sense. I was honored to be competing alongside these incredible athletes. What it did, it made me push harder as a result of being surrounded by the right people, right? I ended up, and I'm getting chills right now, I ended up knocking off 10 minutes off of my best time. 10 minutes. That is huge. So 10 minutes faster because I was surrounded by the right people. The power in that. Number six, people are watching and waiting to be inspired. A big part of this that I wanted to do this for was for myself. Another part was for my daughter, but another part was for the warrior community, other type ones. I wanted to show people what is possible. Uh, this was completely spontaneous. I was not a triathlete before this. I decided I wanted to complete this. Uh, at the end of the race, I was gathering my gear and I actually came across somebody who pointed at my arm and said, hey, what's that thing on your arm? I was like, oh, what, this? And, you know, my CGM, right? And she was like, oh, I have one of those too. And I'm like, no way. Long story short, she was a type one, 70-year-old lady, really nice. Her name was Barbie. <laughs> and I, we had great conversation. And she let me know how inspired she was to see another type one competing at an event level like this. And I've got a, a, another lesson tied into the second half of that conversation that we'll get to later. But understand that just because you have type one, you are inherently inspiring others. Whether they have diabetes or not, they see you as somebody who has a disability and is pushing through. So whatever you do has an extra bonus layer to it where it's, wow, you did that. Even though you have type one diabetes, you push through adversity. You are somebody who can inspire others. Recognize that and act accordingly. Number seven, cortisol and adrenaline can outpace glucose burn rates and offset your previous calculations. This is what happened to me. Uh, during all of my training, I was in a very calm environment for the most part, right? I was still pushing myself, but it wasn't competition. I've spoken with many of my clients about this. Practice versus competition is a very different equation when you're looking at diabetes math. Uh, long story short, I was checking my CGM throughout the race. I was erring on the side of caution, had some higher glucose numbers. As a result, uh, I was 
more likely to continue on the rise up. Your adrenaline, cortisol hit me and uh, it kept me higher to the point where I actually did not need to consume about 20 to 25 carbs that I used to need during my training. So the stress of the race, the competition, the adrenaline had actually outpaced my glucose burn rate and uh, essentially allowed me to have less fuel requirements. However, that kind of bit me in the butt later because I needed that fuel to continue my competition. Uh, so towards the end, I was running real low on energy. And uh, towards the end, because my electrolytes were in my sugar water, <laughs> I did not get enough electrolytes. And so I uh, had a little bit of a, a doozy at the end of the race where I almost passed out. It was kind of intense. Uh, so I ended up drinking some other uh, zero sugar electrolytes. This incredible company actually gave me some samples. And so um, was able to get that in my system, came back, felt great and uh, completed it. But understanding that competition, stress, cortisol, adrenaline, all these things can skyrocket blood sugars. I saw the impact of that. And on that note, little bonus here for seven is that we as diabetics actually have a benefit here where we can see the impacts of stress Non-diabetics don't get to see that. They just hear, oh, stress is bad for you. We see the impact of stress. We get to have that reminder that, oh, right, stress is not great and it does impact our body internally. As a result, it's important to take into consideration your de-stressing period, uh, being relaxed, recovered. And some stress is good. You think about stress in the weight room, but understanding that uh, daily stress, especially if it's work-related stress, is not ideal. Number eight. There we go. <laughs> Number eight, fulfillment comes from the progress being made towards our goals, the pursuit of our goals, not as much in the achievement of them. This whole process has been very exciting. The process of actually running the race, very exciting, getting to compete alongside these incredible athletes and being there. And this is another part of the equation I'll tell you in a second is gratitude. But that was more exciting to me then after where I had completed the race, sitting down and going, okay, I did it. Uh, what's next? Right. And I found myself wondering like, what's the next challenge I can pursue? The challenge pursuit is oftentimes more exciting. And a reason for that is our dopamine seeking brain, right? Uh, we seek dopamine. Dopamine comes from that feeling of progress, uh, of checking things off the list, right? And so oftentimes it's the pursuit of the goals, not the attainment of the goal itself that fulfills us. And so finding things that we can chase, can pursue, can work towards and overcome oftentimes brings us more fulfillment in life. So seek challenges, do hard things, make life meaningful, right? It's a lot more fun that way. And on the note of gratitude that I mentioned during the race itself, I found myself again, you know, wanting to quit <laughs> it being a difficult race and then filling my mind with gratitude. Wow. I get to do this. I have a body that works well enough. Yes. I have to consider diabetes and it's kind of a nightmare sometimes, but I get to do this. I get to compete alongside these elite athletes, whatever it is that you're doing. If you ever want to feel grateful, Switch it from I have to to I get to. Big difference. Number nine is actually going to be a, a perspective shift. The, the woman that I chatted with who had type one, her name was Barbie. Fantastic lady. Incredibly sweet. Just the nicest lady ever. Uh, told me about her Dexcom and Omnipod. We had a great chat. But she looked at me and said, wow, it's so cool that you get to do this. I can't. And I wanted so bad to 
help her to see that anything is possible. There are 70 year old triathletes, right? But she said, I can't. And I could tell that it was in relation to her diabetes. And so I, the, instead of challenging her thought process and, and opening a whole conversation about, I can't means that you never will, right? Don't say I can't say all that I will, I'll try. Instead of doing that, I simply let her know, hey, this is actually my first triathlon sprint ever. It was completely impulsive. I've never done this before. And her face lit up. I could see the hope in her eyes. And I, oh, it just, I got chills. I'm getting chills right now. I could see that there is a spark of transformation inside of her where she realized, maybe I can. And sometimes that is the only shift that is required is simply understanding that it is possible, right? Uh, many years ago, the four minute mile was assumed to be impossible for humans to accomplish until there was a man who accomplished the four minute mile. And at that moment, everywhere, beliefs were broken and people realized that it was possible and in no time i want to say it was like a week or something later another person broke the four minute mile and another and another and another and now it's just consistent right everyone's doing it sometimes all you need to understand is that it is possible so understanding that with type 1 diabetes it does not have to hold you back it can in fact be the catalyst that pushes you forward Something to chew on. Number 10. Oh, this is a big one for me, which is why I wanted it to be number 10. Exposure therapy, even in small degrees, has made a massive difference in my own life. See, there were fears that I still didn't fully know were there. And training and pushing myself through these triathlon workouts that I've been doing this whole time uh, got me real comfortable with seeing blood glucose numbers go low while I was exercising with insulin on board, going out and facing my fears. Apparently, I'm scared of open water if there's a bunch of seaweed and big fish swimming around. Didn't know that. But facing our fears really shows us that there's nothing to be fearful of in the first place, nine times out of 10. And so for me, exposure therapy has been one of the greatest things that I have pushed myself through in a safe capacity. Obviously, be safe if you're considering that. But for me, uh, I used to be nervous about going for longer runs. I wouldn't go past a mile. And then I got to two miles and I was like, huh, a mile is not that scary anymore. And I got to three to four, push myself into a duathlon and a triathlon. Now, all of a sudden, I'm like, let's go bike for two hours. I'll be fine, right? Exposure therapy has been huge for me. And sometimes it literally starts with just dipping your toes in the water. That's it. If I'm scared of taking more than one unit of insulin, maybe I try 1.1, right? Tiny baby steps has been massive for me. And maybe that would help for some of you. Number 11, I'm running out of fingers. The more comfortable you are in discomfort, the more comfortable life will be. Similar to number 10, if you get comfortable facing your fears, overcoming challenges, hitting adversity head on, life feels easier. It's when we sit in our bubble of comfort and don't try anything new that life continues to get scarier because we get used to our safe space, our comfort zone. So the more oftentimes you push those boundaries of your own comfort, the more often life is going to feel like it's not that bad. Great perspective of this is each time you level up in life, you look backwards and go, huh, that was easy before. Why did I think that was hard? I think about high school. High school, I had all the time in the world, and somehow I thought it was difficult. Then I get to college, and I was like, wow, high school was easy. And then after I graduate, 
uh, you know, any of these phases of life, you go from college to post-college, uh, get married, have a kid, each phase, you look back at the previous phase and you're like, wow, I had it so easy, right? It really helps to give you that big picture perspective. I almost forgot, for those of you who have been following the entire journey, you've been seeing me hit every single workout 100% time and range with my diabetes care. Uh, you're wondering, did I complete the race 100% time and range? The answer, drum roll, I don't fully know. <laughs> I actually had some issues with my CGM. Actually, I wore two CGMs and both of them were just a little bit off. Uh, they showed that I was bouncing in and out of range between, I think, like 170 and 185 or something like that. 189, I think, was the highest reading I received. So technically, that showed I was out of range. However, when I checked my glucometer, it showed that those values were much higher than I actually was. The two readings that I got were 152 when I calibrated uh, before the race and then 170 when I checked on it after the race. And after the race, it did show that I was rising. It read, I think, 200 and... 40. Uh, and then I checked on my CGM, or I checked on my glucometer and it said 170. So it was quite off. Um, it did correct itself and you know, found its, its happy medium again. But uh, that was interesting to me. So there is no 100% certainty that I was 100% time and range. I can tell you based on the stability of the graph, if my glucometer was indeed correct, there's a good chance that I was 100% time and range, but it was threading the needle uh, just above 170, most likely. Uh, and that being said, I did actually see an initial spike on the graph. So whether it was accurate or not, if I was at 170 or 150 on my glucometer and I did spike from the adrenaline initially and I saw it come back down to level out for the rest of the race, there is a chance that it did in fact go above 180 and then come back down to 170. Whether or not the CGM or the glucometer is correct is, I mean, not for me to know. I'll never know. So there's a chance, there's a good chance though that I was at least 90% time in range because even on my graph, it was teetering in the 170s and it would occasionally bump up into the 180s. So good news is it was still technically in range. Um, I let it run a little bit higher because I did want to have that buffer, didn't want that to get in the way. However, that also impacted my intra-race fueling, my post-race fueling, and it was a whole thing. So uh, if you'd like me to do a deeper dive on the exact blood sugars, the strategies, how much carbs are consumed, what happened as a result of adrenaline and cortisol flooding my body, happy to make a video on that and do a full breakdown. But let me know. Uh, just comment the word breakdown if you'd like to see that video in the future. Anyways, thought you'd be interested in hearing that. I don't know if I was 100% time in range. There is a chance. I know at the very least, I was probably 80-90% time in range, but uh, I will never know because my glucometer and two CGMs all gave different readings. Uh, but the good news is most of the readings were still technically in range. So there you have it. Hope that's been helpful. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Share it with somebody who you think might find it interesting. Last thing I want to leave you with bonus here is that nobody is impacted by the excuses you make more than you. Something to chew on. I hope that helps. It's not meant to offend, but rather to challenge any limiting beliefs you might have. That's all I got for you guys today. I actually got to take off, but uh, this was my 11 thoughts as I think about and uh, reminisce on my first experience as a triathlete. And now being a triathlete, I am challenged to continue doing so. There is a good chance, and I'm putting this out on the internet because I want my accountability, there's a good chance I will be competing 
in a Olympic distance triathlon in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. And if you would love to see the process, I actually did record a lot of my data, my workouts, my thoughts as I was training for this triathlon, as well as race day itself. If you'd like to see some of that comment or some of that content, let me know in the comments what you'd like to see, the workouts, the nutrition, the mindset, and I'll make sure I create some video content around that for you guys. All right, so drop a comment below. Let me know what you think. And uh, stoked to have you here as part of my journey. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on the weekly videos we put up here on type 1 diabetes specifically. And I'll catch you guys next time. Be sure to hit that like button too if you thought it was cool. All right. Thanks so much for hanging out. Have an awesome week and keep up the fight.